What up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and on this one, we're going to talk about AEW. I know you guys don't really like to hear my thoughts on AEW, or maybe you do. And yeah, I am probably still blocked and muted by half of the AEW fan base over on Twitter, because for some reason, Twitter still loves to cultivate negativity, toxicity, and people just yelling at you for your opinions or whatever you say or however you say it. And any type of disinterest you have in the AEW graphics that are posted. It's like you have to really enjoy AEW and want to be on board with AEW and pretend that everything is okay. But there are red flags that we're going to be talking about with AEW and all the recent interviews that came out for the Elite being back, talking a little bit about Full Gear, talking a little bit about AEW Dynamite, talking about 10 no longer being in the Dark Order and how AEW loves using children to their advantage to get over because no one really knows how to get over except maybe like JF, William Regal, The Elite, Ricky Starks. There's like a few other names that probably know how to get over, but because everything feels so cramped within a two-hour time limit for AEW Dynamite, and then we have Rampage, which still needs to be on a better time slot. The day doesn't matter. On a better time slot then maybe things can start breathing right. Things have a lot more feeling to them. And we could talk about actual stories throughout the weeks. The most chatter a wrestling story has ever gotten has always been the Bloodline storyline. That whole storyline has been talked about for months. I think we're coming up to like a year but it's been talked about way more than any other AEW storyline because WWE knows how to let stories breathe. They know what to do and let it play out, which I really don't like that phrase, term, whatever you want to call it. But again, AEW does not let most of their stories play out. It's like, all right, we're here Wednesday night. Okay, cool. We're doing this, this, and this at 100 miles per hour. And then next week, it's something new. And then the following week, it's something new. Sometimes there is a consistency with the stories on AEW. However, it feels like it's only 30 seconds, maybe a minute a backstage, whatever it is. But the heel always interrupts the baby face. There are slight changes in AEW that I will say that I see, but for the most part, it still feels like it's all crammed together. Wrestlers don't know what to do. Wrestlers have to rely on shock value, letting you know that New Japan stars are coming over to AEW without video packages again. Ring of Honor is now being like a staple on AEW television, which we'll get into. And... Trying to use kids to get over, trying to use social media to get over, even though sometimes I think it backfires. Yeah, there is a lot to unpack here, and we are just going to go through it. 
We're going to talk about everything. If I miss something, it might end up being in the next one. Or if not, it's probably going to get talked about later in the future. Just stay tuned to anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. This is where you are hearing this full entire sit down talk with me about AEW because I think it's time to really have this talk to really have the fan base understand that their toxicity needs to like become less toxic and down a peg and just understand where people are coming from that used to be on the bandwagon since day one of AEW. So before anyone comes at me, I was there as a day one AEW fan. If you go back into the catalog, if you are a first time listener, welcome to the Square Circle Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Marie Shadows. Welcome as a first time listener. You can definitely go into the back catalog and hear me talk about AEW. And I enjoyed AEW, even though I was still ranting about the flaws that was happening. But there was still some good stuff that I was able to tell you the story behind the characters, the story behind the angles. Now I really can't do that. Now I have a lot of questions because there's no one sitting the wrestlers down to be like, okay, here's the roadmap. We did the first chapter. Everything is checked off. All the boxes are good. Awesome. Let's move on to the second one. Okay, so only three out of the five boxes are checked off. We're going to revisit box four and five later on when we can't think of anything more for this roadmap so we could go back and tie up loose ends. Like, that is how you work a story. That's the same way of how you can write a novel. And yeah, I'm going to be using my expertise of creative writing to show you that AEW really does need a writer. And I am no longer going to be shy about that. Like, I do have a degree in creative writing. I have my publishing certificate. But every time we bring up that AEW needs a writer or a writing room, or a team of writers, you always have the naysayers that will be like, no, we don't need it, AEW doesn't need it, they're good, you know, it's just going to be like WWE, and it's like, you know you can take something that WWE has built for the last 20 plus years, because they have the blueprint That does not mean that you have to give your favorite company the pass when you know that they are suffering. If someone is suffering, give them a hand. Meaning, if you do not like the way that WWE does their writing, then don't worry about it, okay? If you don't like the way that WWE doesn't do it, then this isn't for you. But if somebody wants to listen to this with an open mind, then continue listening. I understand that WWE wrote these monologues for the wrestlers and turn the wrestlers into actors where they had to memorize their lines. I have always said that not everybody needs a monologue. Not everybody needs to memorize lines. There are wrestlers who can improvise and can definitely talk off the top of their head. They'll have some bullet points while there's other wrestlers that are not comfortable doing that in front of an audience. So if you want to give them a script, by all means, let them have the script. 
but it has to make sense when the other wrestler who doesn't need the script, when they come back at them with some words, it makes sense in the dialogue because you don't want some random story where it doesn't make sense. And the person who's not using the monologue says something completely left field. And then the wrestler that needs the monologue doesn't know how to improvise on the fly. And then it's going to make him look bad or make her look bad or make that person look bad. So I understand that creating dialogue for wrestlers in professional wrestling is not for everyone. Other people have different strengths, different skills, and you have to play off of that. You can't just think everyone is on the same even playing field and everyone has the same skills. Everyone is so confident in the way that they talk. And then when you hear it on AEW Dynamite or Rampage or Dark or Dark Evelation, the YouTube shows, you're like, there's something missing. Why do they sound like this? Why do they sound like they don't know what to say next? Or in my case, I've been seeing a lot of people saying that there's too much cursing on AEW. And I really do think that they use that liberty a little too much. And if you can't cut a promo without dropping some curses, then you got to really work on your craft. I don't mind if cursing is there, but it does have to make sense for your character. It does have to make sense for the situation. If you're frustrated, just take a page out of Jay White's book, man. Like Jay White is really good at his promos. If Jay got a really upsetting loss against somebody that he really didn't like, you guys remember that promo, right? Where, you know, he said some words and then he just screamed out, fuck. Jay White doesn't always curse in his promos. Jay White, when he does, everyone listens and everyone is like, oh shit, why is he cursing? You know, and then they go check out the video and they watch the whole thing and they're like, okay, he's frustrated. I get that. That makes sense. That's why he curses. But if you're just cursing just to curse to get the shock value as if this was the early 2000s or something like that in that era, then, you know, you're living in the past. We're in 2022. What new layer can you show me in your promo work? Why are you not going back into the past to look at how the generation before you and more generations before you did promos? Because those promos are still talked about. Those promos are still repeated till this day by fans. If you are a fan of this business, you're going to have to sit down and tape study. And sometimes I don't see that with the AEW wrestlers. And this isn't to just single them out. You know, if you really enjoy this business and you really want to make a name for yourself, you have to study what's in the past. Because without the past, you wouldn't be here as a wrestler. And this is what fans forget about. Fans are like, oh my God, they're so awesome. They're so great. They don't need to study the past. They don't need to do this. The past is so oppressive and it's so bad. And, you know, wrestling was so bad back then. If you have that mentality, it honestly feels like everyone has a participation award given to them. And I see no growth. I see nothing. I just see people living their lives in a very comfortable way where it's like, okay, I'm a wrestler. Okay, I know how to do moves. 
Okay, I know how to semi-talk. I'll just get my way through this. And then you wonder why they're not going to the top spot. There's a reason why this business is so cutthroat and it's a competition. It really is a competition to be the very best. The elite wouldn't be on top without the path that they took to get to being on top, which I don't always agree with. Like lately now, I'm just like, I'm not agreeing with most of the stuff that I fell in love with by them. But they still managed to grab the heartstrings and make me feel. But sometimes I'm just like, you guys are a little too much and you guys got to grow up. But back to the point, if we continue to coddle the wrestling scene on Twitter with all of these shield-like responses where nobody can criticize while giving solutions on how to improve, then it's all going to feel like a participation award and that hurts the wrestlers, that hurts the wrestling business because it's just like a blanket of you can't tell them how to improve while you're giving actual examples and actual thinking outside the box. And that's why sometimes I tend to stick with just reviewing New Japan Pro Wrestling and just trying to give solutions on things that they could fix, which will be in the next episode, which I'll talk about all the money that New Japan Pro Wrestling is leaving on the table by not sending Hikaleo over to WWE. Trust me, we'll get into that. But yeah, it's just the AEW fan base wants to protect something so bad that it's going to implode on itself. And we don't talk about this enough, or maybe we do. Or maybe sometimes people are like, it's not worth it. And I once thought it wasn't worth it, but... Let's just get right into these topics of AEW and how they could fix it. Let's start with the Elite. So as you know, back in September, after the all-out pay-per-view, there was the Media Scrum, which is not as professional as a WWE press conference. CM Punk decided to open up the floodgates and speak from the heart and basically put everyone on notice. While his delivery was not professional in any way, I stated this before in my previous podcast episode talking about truth and narrative. CM Punk felt like his back was against the wall. That is why he said the things that he said. He knows that the wrestling media is in the pockets of the Young Bucks and Tony Khan and AEW. The only way that he can voice his opinion was right there with everyone in the room. And that's because he didn't probably feel comfortable actually going to Tony and telling him all this stuff or going to the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and telling them all this stuff because you can definitely see that everyone has a different ideology. There is no big picture compromise type of thinking where... Even though you don't agree with everything, at least you can find a common ground and you guys can be like, all right, we can do that at least. We can agree on those terms. But if everyone has a different ideology and may dismiss you or not dismiss you or try to turn it around and make it about them or whatever the case may be and it won't be as really highly professional, 
you know, sometimes people don't want to deal with that and they will tend to talk to the media openly because that's the only way that they could be heard. That's the only way that they could bring up problems within a company. Again, it's not the ideal way to go, but when you don't have anybody to talk to about these pressing matters and you find that one outlet that you can, you do it. And then Uncle Dave decides to go on this whole entire rant and what seemed like a witch hunt on CM Punk for the past two months. And it's only been about CM Punk news. It's only been about CM Punk drama. It's only been about maybe AEW wants to buy out CM Punk's contract or CM Punk is this, CM Punk is that. So he created a narrative for two months, not even talking about the elite, not even talking about Ace Steel as often. We found out that Ace Steel got released but CM Punk is still there. We had no word on the elite. Everything was quiet about the elite. And then people question and wonder why CM Punk did what he did. And you saw the one-sided narrative that never added up. All the stories never added up. And again, I will say this, that wrestling journalism lost their credibility during the Sasha Banks and Naomi sort of leaving WWE news, whatever it was, that whole whirlwind of events where, again, journalists never had their story right. Somebody had one thing, somebody had another thing because, you know, you can't really copy off of somebody like how you would do in school and try to turn in homework and you copied off of somebody else. Yeah, you know, you had to put in something different. So that way your homework won't look like it got copied. But yeah, so a one-sided narrative of bashing CM Punk. So that way the AEW fan base that believes everything, that reads everything, can turn on CM Punk and really love the elite and make the elite baby faces and make the elite heroes and make AEW heroes. And it's like, you guys got to think for yourselves and see that there is a difference here. Uncle Dave wants his narrative and he pushes it and you guys believe it. You guys even pay him for believing nonsense that didn't make any sense at all. And then all of a sudden, leading up to the elite returning to professional wrestling, there's more news about what I think Jericho was said to be there and that the dog and... All this kind of stuff, like nothing added up, but yet then fans will believe it without questioning it. And that right there is what makes wrestling really toxic, because instead of calling out the people who are giving you the information, you get upset at CM Punk, you get upset at the elite, maybe, but more so you get upset at CM Punk and then you're like, oh, we never needed him. We never needed him at all in the locker room. He's a cancer everywhere he goes, which is true to an extent. But is anybody who's an AEW fan reaching out to CM Punk to be like, yo, are these true? Are these accusations true against you and stuff like that? You know, no one's reaching out to him and everyone is so comfortable being on their phone saying we never needed him, which is true. We never needed him because... I didn't need him after he threw people under the bus 
during his tell-all podcast on Cocabana's podcast and almost tanking his friend's podcast. Like, I didn't think we needed him. You know, I watched him in AEW, which was all right. It was cool. He brought some nostalgia back with his Ring of Honor stuff. But other than that, like, the ferocity at which you guys wanted him and then you got him and then to easily turn on him because some person is able to get quote unquote news, no matter how awkward or outlandish it is, tell it to the internet and the internet believes it as if it's gospel. That's the part where I don't understand the fans anymore in professional wrestling. It might just be that it's social media, that is Twitter and Twitter just blurs the lines between we all believe the same shit, which by the way, I'm not part of that crowd. I don't believe what you believe. I like to question where my news comes from. I like to question where things are made up. I like to question things so I could understand it better and make my own decisions. I'm going to say this again. CM Punk in his delivery at the All Out press conference was done wrong. However, his observations are more than likely right because after that, we saw just a whole spiral of weird backstage news that came out. So again, this whole spiraling of all this backstage drama coming out so you can watch the product, but no one is questioning it and no one is trying to tighten up the reins and being like, hey, this stuff can get out if it is true. And if it is true, then you guys got to start making social media for AEW wrestlers a little bit more stricter. Just saying. You don't want bad press to follow a show you're trying to promote on national television. Now, if all this drama was done for the show that is doing a regular indie show and never got a national television deal, then by all means, do the drama. But because it is on national television where people can tune in from around the world, you really do not want fans to be like, such bad publicity. Let me not watch. Like, I don't feel inclined to watch because there's so much negativity around it and there's so much toxicity on Twitter about it, trying to defend this, trying not to defend this, trying to do mental gymnastics to explain to you why an internal investigation is happening when it really, I really don't think that was a thing. Again, nobody had photos, video that went up on social media. You know how fights quickly go on social media and they go viral? Well, where was the videotape for this? Where was, you know, um, the footage for this backstage brawl that probably never happened? Oh, and by the way, again, I'm going to question the fact that if there was an internal investigation, Kenny Omega would not be allowed to leave the United States to go to Japan for the GameCon to show Japan, hey, look, we made an AEW game. Because when you have an investigation pending and an investigation still going, you cannot leave the country. They tell you this. You can't leave the country. You can't leave the state. We're still doing an investigation, but somehow Kenny Omega gets the okay to go to Japan. It does not matter if that event was booked in advance. 
you're not allowed to leave the country if an internal investigation is supposed to go. And then to hear the quotes from the second to last BTE where Nick is like, yeah, the fans don't know. We couldn't talk about it for two months. And I was worried that we weren't going to get well-received and cheered. And it's like, you guys could have said something for two months. You guys could have told Uncle Dave to stop bashing CM Punk so that way the toxicity and the ferocity of the toxicity doesn't grow on Twitter and become so damn annoying between the debates. But I guess for AEW, any publicity is good publicity, which is a bad thing. But it's also like you guys could have said something too. You guys could have put out a statement saying that we apologize for having a disruptive backstage brawl we apologize for letting down the fans we don't want to disappoint you in that way this was not the mission statement of AEW it is to change the world and we believe that we did not do that so we're going to be taking some time off to reflect right a simple PR mess could have been a PR sunshine if they would have put out a statement so that way everything would have stopped People would have found something else to be mad about and AEW would not have to do this whole thing of whenever Tony Khan goes on interviews for him to be like, I can't comment. No comment. You can ask, but I can't comment. No, no, I'm sorry. If you know that there is an pending investigation going on and still going on and no one can talk about it. And if you're on an interview, you know that interviewer is going to ask you stuff about this investigation. Why do you guys put yourselves in situations where you guys back yourself into a corner and then get the backlash and then you're like, I don't understand the backlash. Like, I don't get that. I really don't. You guys have to work smarter, not harder. Working smarter would have been putting out a public relations statement about what happened and asking the fans to respect the privacy of everyone else and also have Uncle Dave not to put fuel to the fire because he got called out by punk and didn't like that. And it's like, grow up guys. If you want to be a professional company and try to rival WWE, that's what you do because it was already a messy situation. There was no coming back from it. And if there's no coming back from it, rather than feeding it, you sort of stop it yourselves. But now we see that two months later, they're using all that fire, all that fuel to do BTE and to only highlight the fuck CM Punk chance and decide to put a very choice of a song. And I know that the elite are poking fun because they always do that. They always take a serious situation that needs a very good talking to and make it into a joke. And make it into like, oh, we're going to poke the bear. That's why I sort of started falling out of love with the elite, especially the Young Bucks. If you guys don't know on their Twitter account, whenever something happens, they change their bio. And then they tweet out, check bio, new bio. And it's always some passive aggressive shit. And it's like, I don't want that in wrestling. Why do we need a passive aggressive 
tag team just because people in the past especially in ring of honor didn't really like the whole super kick party and the young bucks doing spots and all this kind of stuff and all that accumulated into at one point fans not really liking them and then fans coming over to really enjoy their stuff and it's like stop being passive aggressive if you have a problem with something or someone you go to them and you tell them the same way that CM Punk was like you got a problem with me you go to me and then this whole shit happened which brings me into the next thing about the elite so the elite came back on full gear and they came out to one of my favorite songs carry on wayward son by Kansas and they were wearing white and the whole spectacle felt good. And this is what I mean that sometimes they tend to pull on my heartstrings, even though I am fed up with their childish antics and their childish bullshit that I'm like, grow up a little bit, like just grow up for me. So it pulls me back in, but I didn't realize that this could mean that this might be their final tour their goodbye tour. Why would you, in this stage of your career and your life, would you want to have Carry On Wayward Son by Kansas? As your theme, knowing that the lyrics in there is basically about this eventually is going to end. They did the same thing with Supernatural. They put Supernatural to show. They put that song in there too when the season was ending. And so is this the end for the elite? Is this their goodbye tour? Because right after the full gear match against Death Triangle, which I thought that Death Triangle was going to lose. And the elite was going to get the belts back because Death Triangle felt like placeholders because they weren't really having too many trios matches. And so... I thought the Elite was going to get the belts back, but they didn't. And then all of a sudden, we have a best of series seven matches, which, by the way, we do not need a best of seven series matches between Death Triangle and the Elite. We really don't. I don't understand why AEW fans are rejoicing. It feels like you guys never went to an indie show or watch like wrestling on television, and then you say that you do. And then just turn around and be like, oh, my God, AEW is the savior of wrestling. Yes, we're having a best of seven series matches. And I'm like, it's going to be the same exact shit that we see in every Death Triangle versus the Elite match or every single Yum Bucks versus Penta and Phoenix match, the Lucha Bros. And so it's like, what are you guys really praising? Can someone really tell me by leaving a comment or going into my DMs or something to let me know that what is different in each of these matches? Can you break down for me what is different in the first match to the second match to the third match? I think this Wednesday is going to be the third match. But either way, what is different? Why are we so excited for a best of seven series when it's going to be the same spots, the same dances, and the same choreography? 
And each one of these matches are going to be with Rick Knox as the referee. So I just want to know. It's not that exciting. It's like the same repeating thing that everyone got upset about in WWE when it was John Cena versus Edge every single time. And that is how we got John Cena to a multi-time champion and the same thing with Edge. It's that. I really don't want to see the same matches over and over in AEW. I remember when AEW fans were like, oh, we don't want rematches, and AEW never really gave rematches. But here we are, a best of seven series. We could think of these like a series of rematches because you're fighting the same team. I could understand if it was like a four-team and best of seven series and whoever loses has to fight the other one and then vice versa do it like a diagonal type and i know that probably doesn't make any sense but it's something different right it's a different idea it's not like the same two teams going back and forth in rematches for a best of seven series what to see who's the best to see who's the real champions i don't even think the belts are online with this and that's what is not really appealing. And I don't understand why fans are saying that they are excited for something that are rematches, but yet then said months ago, two years ago, that they don't want rematches. And AEW was like, yeah, we're not going to have rematches, guys. Which then brings me into the point of the Sports Illustrated interview that Kenny Omega did. So according to Kenny Omega, this is his quote, which I'm going to go through it and talk about it. There are things no one can talk about, so I encourage people to let it go, says Omega. This is in reference to all of the wild speculation that was on the internet about the investigation, about CM Punk, about the elite. So he's basically saying for you guys to let it go. Again, I'm going to say this. The elite could have stopped this, so that way Kenny would have never said this line. And the easiest way is to tell Uncle Dave to stop bashing CM Punk for the last two months. And you guys would have been sitting pretty, nobody would have remembered, and nobody would have got upset and turned into a toxicity. Omega continues saying, it doesn't change that we want a team effort in AEW. I don't even mean implicitly... Myself and my opponent. It also means the referee, the fans, the people who set up the ring, everyone. Even a technical error can ruin the memory of a match. I can refer back to the exploding barbed wire death match. So I encourage people to move away from it because there is no information to be released. Oh, really? There's really no information to be released? Everything has gone quiet ever since the elite came back. But before that, it was the talk of the town and no one did shit. Again, Kenny goes on to say, though I cannot talk about it, I do want the fans to know I still want the best for pro wrestling. Kenny, how am I going to ever believe you again? I really don't know, man. This is getting so hard for me to believe any type of word that Kenny says. He cannot talk about it. Is that because it's still a pending investigation? And if it is still a pending investigation... Why is the elite back on TV? Why did the elite have, you know, the entrance that they had at full gear? You know, if it was a pending investigation where he can't talk about it and he's telling people to move on, that's a little fishy. 
sometimes when it comes to WWE and they get into these situations, at least we'll get some type of public relations statement explaining to the fans that we have reinstated the elite. The elite are able to come back on TV. You know, I'm just saying that if this was WWE, they would have put out a statement saying that somebody is reinstated to come back on television. But we didn't get that with AEW. So I'm just saying that's a little sus. That is a little sus. There's more quotes from Kenny Omega that I would like to talk about. The next quote is as follows. This is again from Kenny. This isn't Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against CM Punk. It is people trying to show off their craft. You can boo Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks or CM Punk, but I hope people don't forget we're human beings struggling to show our art. Now, first of all, I do agree with the last line that any professional wrestler out there, I know that it is a struggle to show your art. I know it's a struggle to show what you want to present. Your canvas is blank and you basically make a painting out of it and you want to show it to us and that is the most struggling way to do it and I totally understand that I get that you guys are human we all go through it however when you make a BTE episode and think it's funny to highlight the fucksy and punk chants and then have a choice of a song to go under it to take out every other noise song background noise anything like that it really tells a different side and I know that in professional wrestling you're supposed to tell these stories you're supposed to be petty at times you're supposed to be you know a heel a baby face like everything that goes into professional wrestling it's supposed to be entertainment for us so we can be emotionally invested and buy the product buy the merch buy everything like I totally understand what professional wrestling is about however when you do something like this and then say that oh it's not about the elite versus CM Punk but you show us otherwise, how can someone really believe you and how can someone really trust you with that? You know, again, I like questioning when things don't add up. I like questioning things don't make sense. And my sense of trust is going away slowly by slowly by slowly by reading this and seeing something completely different. And I hope that this podcast episode basically gives you that perspective as well because we all shouldn't be in this little bubble of like oh my god the elite is great no they're passive aggressive and they do things in a very distasteful way where it's not even feeling like it's wrestling anymore it feels more like real life tactics that people go through you need to remember that your audience, for whatever show they sit down on their couch or their chair at home, your audience is watching certain things to escape a miserable reality of life. Okay? So if you're going to constantly do this high school bullshit of you say one thing in the interview, but you show something completely different on your channel being the elite it's going to cause people to sort of question, to sort of get out of it because they look to your entertainment as an escape. But if all they see is a type of bullying, a type of 
remembrance of things that they want to escape, things that they maybe went through in high school and they see the same high school bullshit all over again. Do you think that those fans are going to stick around much longer because our brains are constantly evolving. Our brains are constantly thinking and our brains are like, Hey, I used to like that, but I don't like it for X, Y, and Z. You know, you don't want that for your audience. You want to make sure that your audience is getting that reality escape. And this isn't really it, you know, to really tell people that it's not about the elite versus CM Punk that it's about, you know, human beings struggling to show their art. Well, CM Punk was struggling to show his art, but we don't know the backstage politics as to why that was. But, you know, I'm just saying that it's one thing to sort of say this and then on the flip side to be like, oh, well, look at our new video. Last quote from Kenny Omega from the Sports Illustrated interview and then we'll switch to some other topics that AEW needs to fix. This quote is about Kenny Omega returning to Japan to face Will Ospreay at Wrestle Kingdom 17. He says, I'm returning to New Japan as an ambassador of AEW. I'm returning to New Japan as an ambassador of pro wrestling. I'm also returning home. I love to start this new exciting opportunity, but it's still home. Now the things Will can do are things I cannot. He's an athletic phenom. But as finely tuned as he is physically, he still hasn't, doesn't have the knowledge or experience. I push my own physical boundaries in all Japan and DDT, and that's not what I'm known for. My mind is my greatest asset, not my athleticism. That's what allowed Tanahashi to have such a long and flavorful career. So a couple of things. I wonder if Omega is still salty about losing to Tanahashi in 2019 before starting AEW and maybe potentially signing a WWE contract. I would think that Will Ospreay going from a junior heavyweight to a heavyweight pushes his own physical boundaries. And he's definitely gained a bountiful of knowledge and experience since Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were not there for the whole entire time. So I don't know, man. Kenny Omega goes on to say, I needed someone to take my place in New Japan. I wanted someone to take my place, and it was Will, Jay White, and Kota Ibushi. Will is the only one to have a problem with that. First of all, I understand that this is supposed to be for story and I'm supposed to suspend my disbelief, but man, are you wrong. Jay White already stopped rumors about Kenny Omega trying to recruit him as well by pulling him to the side and being like, Jay, I'm going to be leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling, so Japan needs you. Jay White instantly was like, bro, that didn't happen. Stop it. And you wanted Kota Ibushi to take your place? First of all, Kota Ibushi is the one that got you into New Japan Pro Wrestling. You found Kota Ibushi in DDT, and it was all thanks to Shingo in the first place. If we really want to go like that deep into this lore and this history. So you got introduced to DDT 
through Kota Ibushi and then you followed Kota Ibushi to New Japan Pro Wrestling, why would he want to take your place when he's already in first place of you, Kenny? Like, I don't understand that. That was a stupid point to throw in Kota Ibushi in there. And then to say that Will Ospreay is the one that has a problem with taking your place? Will Ospreay didn't need to take your place. Will Ospreay created something that you never created. You got kicked out of the Bullet Club, Kenny. Will Ospreay over here created his own empire and it is thriving like faster than any other team that I've seen. Sure. It was Kenny and the Young Bucks, and they called themselves the Elite, but they're not really like a stable, like how the United Empire is. And the Japanese fans really did enjoy the Elite, but they were still part of Bullet Club, a subsection of Bullet Club. And then eventually everyone got kicked out, thanks to Tamatanga, who was and now is a former OG Bullet Club member. But the point still stands is that I don't understand why you wanted will to take your place sure will probably had the inspiration to be like oh you know let me do what kenny does but will does things a lot more better has a lot more better psychology and definitely will does not have a problem with that what he has a problem with is someone that says one thing and does another and the last quote of this Kenny Omega Sports Illustrated interview talking about Will Ospreay when coming to Wrestle Kingdom 17. Kenny goes on to say, I had to speak in Japanese to remind him that he doesn't have home court advantage. This is still my home. That is the most stupidest thing I have ever read. It is funny and stupid at the same time. Because Kenny Omega is not Japanese. He learned Japanese from Kota Ibushi. Like, he wasn't born and raised in Japan. I can understand if, like, Kota Ibushi talked to him in Japanese because that's, like, the native language. And to remind Osprey that he doesn't have the home court advantage because Osprey is not from there. Kenny Omega is not from Japan. Sure, he could feel a sense of home. Anybody could feel a sense of home somewhere, but you're not that, you're not of that country, if that makes sense. That's like someone coming into my home, speaking Spanish to me, and trying to remind me that they have the home court advantage because I speak perfect English and my Spanish is horrible, my Italian is horrible, and someone who is, you know, very well-versed in Spanish wants to come here and try to tell me, oh, this is my home or whatever. Like, it's very stupid. Like, this should have been rethought of as a statement. It's so stupid. It's like both of you guys just have the home advantage because you guys are loved. It has nothing to do with who could speak better Japanese and who cannot speak Japanese they have the home advantage because the fans love Will Ospreay. The fans love Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega got a huge pop from the fans when the video was on the screen and everybody saw what happened during the historic New Japan X stardom event. All right, that is all for the quotes of Kenny Omega that I just had to talk about and really get out of my system. 
So I am going to make this episode a part one of me talking about AEW because we got to have that conversation. I don't know how many other podcasters are having this conversation about the things that AEW needs to do to increase more fans or just talk about problems or red flags or just things that don't make sense and question this kind of thing, especially the toxicity that goes around in the AEW I guess Twitter, I don't want to say community. I might, you know, get heat for that. I'm probably going to get heat for this whole episode just talking about my opinions and questioning things and having people think and have an open mind because that's all I want is you guys to come in here and have an open mind and listen to the things that I talk about and the things that I want to bring to light. I guess this is all about the elite and... AEW stuff and the AEW fans. Part two is going to be about the Dark Order and how far they have fallen. I don't even think they could recover. About 10 leaving the Dark Order, about AEW using negative one to get over and people online just thinking that it is going to be his origin villain story when he turns 18 and is like, he's a kid, let him be a kid. And then also a little bit about AW Dynamite, some stuff I saw, the AW Women's Division. And I think that's about it to wrap up AEW stuff. So if you enjoy this episode, please make sure to leave a comment because I know everyone has an opinion. Everyone has a comment about everything nowadays. So you could definitely leave me a comment on the tweet that if you see this on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows, you can send me an email squared circle podcast at outlook.com. You can also leave me a voice message on anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast, where this would be on. And if you are signed up to my Substack, which you should be signed up to my Substack because it's extra wrestling content, Marie shadows.substack.com. It has a, comment section you can leave your comments there also make sure to share with other people in the wrestling community let them know that i talk about aew and bring up some aew issues and talk about it and give my opinion about it and if you enjoy that kind of stuff again word of mouth is the best marketing tool you can give to a content creator because it's free it's absolutely free to share. It's free to talk about it. And um, it is definitely free to discuss all these things. I appreciate every single listener that are new listeners and returning listeners. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Again, follow me on twitch.tv forward slash Marie underscore shadows, where we're going to be watching a lot more wrestling content on there. Follow me on Twitter at Marie underscore shadows. You can find me on Hive. That's right. The Hive social. You can find me over there at Marie shadows, one word. And then you could also sign up to my newsletter, Marie shadows.substack.com. And you can also listen to this right here on anchor.fm forward square circle podcast. This is part one of talking about AEW. Part two is coming soon. So, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.